the only other thing I would say is I hear Tim say this all the time now is that investing does not have to be sexy. Not the point of it. TikTok can bring some of the element, but that, that doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Sometimes boring in that field is exactly what you need. Find sexy elsewhere. That's what I got. That's another side of TikTok. (laughs) Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. I'm Kennedy, your host. This is Caroline, our other host. And we've got Dan over there, your third host today. Uh, We thought it would be really fun to go through some financial TikToks and see what we think about them. Yep. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Share this with your friends if you like it. Yeah, so we're just gonna get right into it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna watch a little TikTok, see what we think, and go from there. So watch TikTok. Hey, someone just commented saying that they're gonna buy a house next year. You have any advice? Yes, do not put a down payment on a house if you're not required to. It could cost you millions of dollars. Why? Uh, let me show you. Always do the smallest down payment possible. As an example, you're 25 years old buying your first house at 3% interest. You're going to do a 20% down payment like everyone tells you. That's $60,000. Your monthly mortgage is $1,000. You're going to pay around $124,000 of interest and your house is paid off. But what did you get? Zero compounding, zero retirement income. Let's do it my way. Smallest down payment, let's say 3%. $9,000 going to down payment, but now you have $51,000 to compound. $1,200 a month in mortgage, and you're going to pay this much interest, a little bit more, but your house is still paid off. But now you have up to $894,000 in compounding, $89,000 tax-free retirement income, and up to $3 million in total retirement income. I'm Curtis Ray. Seriously, always be compounding. I mean, I just feel like some pieces are missing. Like where are the closing costs even, you know, like there's just like, there are a lot of numbers that like looks really pretty, but like what's going on. Right. And then also, you know, looking at the more personal side, do I have this much money to be, am I going to spend it throwing it into the house or am I going to turn around and invest it somewhere? Or am I going to be like, Oh, Hey, I have all this extra cash. Maybe I'm going to try to buy a more expensive house, or maybe I'm going to spend it all on furniture or something like that. And part of the benefit to having a down payment anyway is like you get your lower monthly payment generally, right? Right. Yeah. So like, how can you, I don't know if you're not in a situation where you can free cash flow that, that larger payment, like that seems like kind of a, a silly idea. These are very reasonable comments, my friends, because I, you know, I was noticing the same thing. So you look at the math between the two, right? Uh, first of all, Carolyn, yeah. Do the do people even have that kind of money floating around? Usually when we see people not put down a larger down payment, it's because they don't have the money to make the down payment, not because they're making the choice not to. Sometimes that can make sense, but everybody's financial scenario is very different, right? Again, why I hate always. So, but let's 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 take the uh, the point about like the mortgage payment situation. There are other factors on that whiteboard not addressed. Mm-hmm. What was the interest rate that we're talking about? Like okay. Kenny said, what are the closing costs? What's the payment? So if you if you were to slow up, Curtis, which has probably never been done before, but if you were able <laughs> to do that 
and you were to look at those two payments, one payment he was showing was for like $1,000 a month. The other was a little over $1,200. We're, ta we're talking a 20% uh, increase right, right there, right? Just in what that payment is. It's another 200 bucks a month. But here's the thing. That's fine if we're talking $1,000 that we're working off of. But what if, what if this is Los Angeles and your mortgage payment is $8,000, $7,000? And now we're looking at a difference between 15 and 25%, right? We're not talking 200 bucks. We could be talking $2,000 of extra cash flow. It just doesn't make sense. And the other factor that's not discussed here too is, is risk and leverage. Some markets are frothier than others. There are some markets where we might feel com more comfortable saying, hey, you can get by putting down 10%. And there are others where we might say, look, between you being able to afford the cash flow so you don't lose your house, and between the fact that we feel maybe that some prices are more inflated than other markets, you should put more down because you're giving yourself a buffer so that if it turns upside down, you yourself are not in as big of a jam. Yeah. So a little messy. How, how, I wonder how we'd rate um, if we were to grade that TikTok advice uh, on a letter grade. What do you think we'd give it? A, B, C, D, F. There's no E's. No, no E's. I'm going to give Curtis a D and okay. I'm, I'm going to give him a D only because I think in some cases, I'll give him a D plus. I'm going to okay. give him a D because I think in some cases what he's saying in theory can make sense. If you've got the ability to leverage this because you are going to turn around that money and invest it in a better opportunity, I think that there's a lot of better opportunities from a return standpoint than your primary primary real estate. Yes, I'll give them a D for that, for sure. You can't fail because that will work for some people. And I'm going to give them a D plus just for the energy he brought to his TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the good vibes. Right. See, if I knew nothing about finance and then that TikTok just ended up on my feed with his energy, with the passion, what he was saying and the way that he was trying to make it look like he was backing it by evidence and facts, I would have thought, yeah, for sure. He knows what he's talking about. He's got some numbers up there. They seem like they look sort of right. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. You mentioned compounding. That's important. Be better to actually talk about what that is. But we can hit that on some other podcasts, but that's an important factor. Yeah, that buzzword. <laughs> People bought Bitcoin here and then they held it all the way to here and now they're rich. And also some people bought Ethereum here and they held it all the way to here and now they're rich. And now we have Hex and people are buying it here and wherever it ends up, they might be rich. They might be rich. <laughs> they might be rich. <laughs> they might be broke too. <laughs> Any initial reactions, Dan? I have no words here. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to this gentleman. Um, I hope he's okay. I'm not really. Yeah, I hope I'm, he's I'm okay really sure. I, I hope he's in one of those states that has actually legalized cannabis. Um, so we don't get in trouble for his TikTok. Uh, what he's talking about isn't specific to crypto. He's just mm -hmm. talking about investing. Right. Like the way to make investments work, assuming it's a quality investment, which I'm not saying yay or nay to, but what he's what he's speaking of. But assuming it's a quality investment is time. Got to have time. So he's saying he's talking a short time frame, but in general, 
you put an investment here and you let it sit to here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's called that's called investing. Um, I have a particular point, I guess two points I'd want to drive, but I'll I'll pause for some of your reactions on it on it as well. But one of which that I want to touch on that is a little bit about the difference between investing and gambling, because the general public and how could they not often sees the two in the same, but they are not. So I'm going to intrinsic piece then just to kind of touch on that. So when we talk about intrinsic value, the concept behind this, which is, is involves investing, right? Not gambling, the ability to measure the value that an entity is bringing to the table by truly getting an opportunity to understand the financial metrics and components that allow for a monetary benefit down the road. In other words, there's a thesis that makes sense that actually produces something. I think it's very arguable that the stuff he's talking about doesn't have that intrinsic value to it. Not saying you can't make money in it, that maybe you haven't, that you would, whatever be the case. If that is the thesis, besides just somebody's going to buy it after you and why and why and why and why. Um, and to me, that looks more like, like a speculation, a gamble, uh, no different than saying I'm going to roll on black and I might get rich and I might roll on red next time and I might get rich, right? And people played poker and they got rich. Yes. And most did not. So um, that's what intrinsic value is. That's what makes an investment different than a gamble. Of course, not talked about it. The other piece that I felt was not covered was how much money are we talking about here? So we see this all the time where people want to get into something. And so they'll say, I've got a hundred dollars. That's great. But a hundred dollars and you have a thousand dollar return isn't going to make you rich. It, you really, in order to really make major gains most of the time in these situations, you'll really have to have the capital and be comfortable putting up that capital without risking other parts of life, which is probably not likely for most people to be able to actually do what he's talking about, assuming that that's actually an investment that makes sense. Um, the, the last piece I'll, I'll, I will throw into there too, and then I don't have other comments. If, if, you, if, if anyone else here wants to share stuff, great, is that there is a difference between price and value that I think is also misunderstood, right? Price is what you pay for something. Value is what you get. That's a Benjamin Graham quote. Um, what you see in the marketplace, the, the cost of a particular stock, for example, doesn't mean that it's actually worth that. It's just what people are willing to pay. So Dan, do you have any like thoughts or examples on like price versus value to kind of put it in perspective for everyone? Here is a real world example as to how it works, why price does not equal value necessarily. Most time it doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. Think of it in terms of this. You go into, we're in Wisconsin, so we'll use Kohl's, but a department store, right? Mm -hmm. And go buy a shirt, right? And that shirt is marked at $20 with inflation 40, so $40. Um, and so you go back then, let's say three weeks later, and uh, now what's being stocked up is the winter season here, right? That shirt is the same shirt made by the same people, it was the exact same shirt, that was hanging there three weeks ago. And yet now it's marked down to $15, right? Why? What has changed about the shirt? Nothing. The environment around the shirt has changed. 
So the value that the shirt is bringing is for the most part the same, except for maybe you couldn't wear the shirt in all occasions as you would have perhaps three weeks before. Then again, it's only three weeks. You probably still get some good use out of that shirt, right? Sometimes you don't need a change of season. Maybe it's the same shirt, but at two different department stores. One is cheaper than the other, same shirt, right? So price is what that shirt is gonna cost you to obtain the shirt. But the value of the shirt may not have changed at all and may not reflect the price. Does that work? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. it really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, then in general, like, do we have any kind of closing thoughts about the finance TikTok world? Finance talk, if you will. Yeah, I know we like talk, to. I love that. <laughs> the only other thing I would say is I hear Tim say this all the time now is that investing does not have to be sexy. Not the point of it. TikTok can bring some of the element, but that, that doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Sometimes boring in that field is exactly what you need. Find sexy elsewhere. That's what I got. That's another side of TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> one that we're not going to go into. Yeah, I mean, I think my thing is like, you should, you should check to see who is telling you things. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, anyone can say anything on the internet, right? But you want to you wanna make sure like, they actually kind of have some credentials. They aren't just yeah. like your average Joe making TikToks, which is like fine. You know, there's there's value there too, but maybe not for your investment advice. The energy that these TikTokers bring and the way that they make themselves sound like experts, they can be experts. They might be, I'm not sure. I haven't done my research on them, but maybe I should before I just, you know, take their advice and put it into action for myself because- you never know. That might not be the best course of action for me personally, although it might be for some people. Yeah. I mean, I think Caroline has it right. You know, like I think that there is value maybe that can be gained from some of these like TikToks and these videos and everything, but you always want to check to see if it makes sense for you. So um, I thought that was really fun. Like I really like going through these finance TikToks and yeah. I like kind of seeing what's out there. There's, it's, I don't know. I think it's really fun. Um, so let us know what you all think. Like, would you like us to do more of these TikTok finance reaction videos? Feel like they could be fun. Have you seen any TikToks yourself that you maybe want to send our way? You could get yeah. our reaction on. We'd love that. Send those to us. We'll let you know. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Dan. We appreciate all of your insights. <laughs> we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Sounds fun. Like, like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments, broker, dealer, or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. 
Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.